Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey DeGree. Joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are recording this on Sunday afternoon. Uh, a Sunday afternoon, Jordan, where <laughs> we got home about an hour and a half ago uh, from our trip in Iowa. Um, I set my alarm just in case I fell asleep on the couch. Um, you know, in movies when like they shoot a dart in somebody's neck and they just pass out cold and like, yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think that really happens in real life. I, my, my guess is that, that, that magical sleeping dart doesn't actually happen, but it, it, it just happened just now on my couch. I think I fell asleep in about 20 seconds and I was out cold for 30 minutes. If I didn't set the alarm, I would have slept right through our setup time to record. <laughs> I know. I know that feeling when you have kids, especially. Especially two kids, young kids. You make that trip. I completely understand. And here's the deal. Quick version of the trip. As I've laid out on Twitter, maybe people are even sick of me talking about it. Um, special weekend for me. Um, you know, Iowa, Western Michigan. How's that special? I brought my seven-year-old boy uh, to his first game at Kinnick. Um, it was awesome. Uh, I was nervous on how he would do. I thought he would start whining and wanting to leave by, you know, before the end of the first quarter. Even through the rain delay, he was just dialed in. It was awesome. He, you know how I mean, you've, like you're getting, you're probably getting an idea. Of, I'm starting to get an idea of how boys, you know, they just don't communicate very well. So I'm asking him questions, and he's not hardly answering. Why? Because you can tell it was just sensory overload. You know, he it, everything was just so cool. He was in awe, and he, and then at some point, as a dad, you're like, okay, I think I've done my job here. You yeah, know, the, it's a, you get that proud dad moment. Yes. Like, okay, I feel like I have imparted all the wisdom I can in this moment. Let's just <laughs> let him take it in now. Yep, yep. Um, now, the funny thing is he had one of his best friends, Cole, with him and his dad. And uh, the next day, which was this morning, we're hanging out with uh, the, the, the ancient Greeks, a.k.a. my parents. And I said, and they said, you know, hey, how'd you love your first, how'd you, you know, think your first game at Kinnick? He's like, oh, it was great. I, I was sitting right next to Cole. And he just stopped right there. I got <laughs> that's all that mattered. He's good. I got no recognition, but I hope deep down inside there was a core memory that was made. Uh, the one funny thing is, is I was nervous about the start of the game. Okay, and then uh, the rain delay, and so and, and you're sitting there, and I was we knew ahead of time that this rain delay could happen. And the funny thing is, so so me and and, and the other dad, we got in line with our two you know boys. And it's like this long, snaky line to go up to a place where you can get beer and water, right? So we're in line, and we see people leaving, and we're like, can we go back to the tailgate spot and come back in? So we're trying to ask people, like, I, how how is how are people leaving, yada, yada? And we hear, like, counting behind us, and I get tapped on the shoulder, turn around. My son and his buddy are doing a push-up contest right on the dirty floor of, of Kinnick Stadium. That and is every, awesome. Everybody in line is cheering them on as they're doing a, a push-up contest. Anyways, some, some but stuff did he that win? I'll never did he win? So I, you know, it was pretty much a draw. I think I would have to call it oh. a draw. His buddy's pretty okay. strict, too. So anyways, that 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 made for some fun stuff. Um, 
And maybe we could talk about this a little bit more next podcast because we don't have as many games to record. Um, but th- kind of the general theme, Jordan and I, you know, are kind of talking even before we record. Maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing weekend for the Big Ten count- conference. However, it wasn't an aesthetically pleasing situation for really any conference <laughs> other than the Pac-12. Which is, you know, which is dripping with irony in it itself. There, there's just a lot of extreme question marks for almost every single one of these teams. It's, it's been kind of crazy to watch. I feel like this is the football gods sending us a message down saying, "You want to mess with football as it is? Well, guess what? Now the Pac-12 is the only conference that's going to have anything nice and pretty. All the rest of you get to suffer." through all of these drudges of games that we've had to see lately. Jordan, I I really like that take. I mean, I know you're being a bit facetious, but am I though? <laughs> am there's, I a little, there's a little something to that. That is incredible. I mean, look at look at the Pac-12 right now. Who's bad? There's Arizona really no state? Right. And even they're kind of punchy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So most of the best quarterbacks are in the Pac-12. Uh, my my brother Darren the American he keeps saying I would absolutely love if Oregon State and Washington State wind up in the Pac-12 championship you know so that would even be if that happens it's a hundred percent the football guys I I I will sell on all that completely yes that's, that's what it is if that happens yes we and 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 then another way to say it would be have you seen the 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 is it Keenan or Peel I can't remember a Keenan Peel but. You know how they're making fun of the the NFL script, you know, that yeah. joke that went through. Yeah. Maybe there's a script for college football too. And and somebody's been feeding that script because it this almost is like somebody's writing a script for it how definitely the definitely feels the like some gone. kind of screenplay going on, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, but obviously in this podcast and every podcast, we're gonna focus on the Big Ten teams are at our play. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. There were 13. Big Ten games this weekend, one on Friday, a dozen on Saturday. First game up was this past Friday, September 15th. Maryland, 42, Virginia, 14. Okay, I predicted 38 to 14, Jordan. I I was really close, right? Uh, The Terps, 461 yards of total offense to the Cavaliers, 354. Right? That's also kind of what we predicted. Sounds like what we were talking about, right? But this this was not what we were predicting. I thought with the slow start last weekend versus Charlotte, Maryland would come out at home Friday night. Hair on fire. Hair on fire. Again, down 14 points. In what an instant. On? In an instant. In a flash. I, I mean, like a, like a flea flicker, you know, trick play type of thing. Oh, okay. Those things happen beginning of the game. You know, they scheme something up like that. But then again, like a... A drive, a good-looking Cavalier drive to make it 14 nothing. Truth be told, I had the Terps, you know, covering. You do the math pretty quick there, and, you know, it was 28 and a half points real quick like that. I don't, I mean, where do you stand on this? Like, are we supposed to chastise Maryland for another slow start? Or or do we say, again, it's it's impressive how they can put it behind them and attack after that? I almost wonder, because we talked a little bit about Tony Musket being the Cavalier, yeah. if the fact that they maybe they prepped for him the whole time and then he didn't play and this right. Anthony Condelaria was the one that played, maybe they weren't ready for 
the different style of quarterback. I, I don't know, but it's something with Maryland that I think has kind of become a trend even going back to last year. Yes. There were a few games last year. I remember the Michigan game being one of them where they just immediately fall on their face early in a game and have to claw their way back. And it it's always seems to put themselves in a hole. They, they've got to find a way. You don't have to get out to a roaring hot start. No. But you can't keep spotting teams 14 points, especially getting into conference play. Because as we're going to kind of go over here, the Big Ten East, like we talked about a few times, it's looking mighty plucky top to bottom. And yep. they, they're going to have their hands full a lot the rest yes. of the way here. So these 14-point yeah. spots, they're going to get them eventually. And I tell you, one person knows it is locks. Um, uh, I was oh, actually listening to the first half of this on Sirius XM on my way down to the to the ancient Greeks house after, you know, after we took off. Uh, by the way, that's just a it's an underrated way to take in a football contest is is listening to it on the radio. Maybe I'm old fashioned with that, Jordan. No, I love listening to sporting events on the radio. I'll still listen to baseball games on the radio. Oh, and and now the the Maryland crew are not exactly on the same page. They they gotta they gotta work on their cadence a little bit on when the one guy is supposed to be done with his color and the other guy st- uh, stops. But I, I I digress. But I can tell you this much. They interviewed Locks walking off the field. I can assure you that Locks was not happy with how his team came off. But Locks, when you're pointing one finger, you got three pointing back at you. So, like, brother, you got to get you got to get them guys up and running because, like Jordan said, the the cushion uh, that you can maybe do is is going to be gone here pretty quick. Um, Leah Tagovailoa, I I think he hit for the most part, the goal, which is keeping clean 19 of 30 for 342 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Uh, Jay Sean Jones, great game, five catches, 96 yards and a touchdown team rushing 28 carries, 126 yards, 4.5 yard average. So again, they come out struggling to run the ball, but you give them credit. They stuck with it. So they wound up with a decent day on the ground, a decent rushing average, I still think from what I can read from Terps fans, there's still a little bit of concern with the offensive line, defensive line at times, the the secondary communication at times. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting on how those things improve and look as the season goes on. Yeah, that, that was always the talk preseason, wasn't it? You know, Maryland's trenches. You know, they got good skill players all over the place, and they got Leah, and they got these backs, but the trenches were the question. and. If you had to ask me three games in, I don't think they've answered any questions there. I think we still have a lot of questions on both sides of those offensive and defensive lines. Agree, but, and to clarify, you're not saying it's definitively bad or good. No. We, yes. We because we've seen know. flashes. We've okay. seen good offensive line play, and then we've seen what just yeah. happened for those three series. Like, they they, they could just, yes. Leah's running for his life, or there's not a single running lane. Yeah, it's... It's a very much hit and miss, and maybe that's part of the problem because offensive line's getting that consistency yes. and gelling. Maybe it's still just not there yet, but like we said, three games in, it's time. It's, it's yeah. poop or get off the pot time. So, Yep, yep, yep. absolutely. That's that's going to be the story, has been the story, and it will continue to be the story. With that being said, 42 unanswered points yeah. will typically get you the win, and it did here, and Maryland moves to 3-0. and oh. Moving in to Saturday, 12 games this past Saturday, September 16th. First game up, Penn State 30, Illinois 13. I had 30 to 10 in that game. Darn close. Nittany Lions with 383 yards of total offense to the Fighting Illini's 300 
and 54 with that 30 points. Penn State keeps their streak alive oh so close, uh, being a, I think it's 10 games now in a row for scoring 30 points or more. Um, Beetle in the past has has come up with a really good effort against Penn State. I know they lost and Penn State covered. With that being said, uh, Illinois' defense did look better, okay? Or at the, 100%. At the very least, Jerzon Newton looked better. They made Penn State work for this win. Well, I mean, I think Penn State needs to send a thank you card to Luke Altmeyer. I mean, you get four yeah. interceptions from him. That makes four, 30 points a whole lot better. I mean, take away two of those interceptions, and this game becomes a whole lot more questionable. So. Yes. I don't have a whole lot of criticism for the Illinois defense. I think I relate this a lot to Colorado, Nebraska last week, where the Illinois defense kept them in this game for a very long time. But at the end of the day, the turnovers became too much. And, yeah, you mentioned Johnny Newton. I I wanted to see that. And because with the NFL offensive line of Penn State, we needed to see him be what he's supposed to be. And I think we saw good signs of that. It wasn't the 100% all the time. But it was definitely yes. a lot more. He looked more like that mocked first round defensive lineman that we've been hearing yes. about. So that's positive for Illini fans. And I don't know if we have him on the weekly Eisman list uh, because the stat line wasn't exactly there for him, but his presence <laughs> undoubtedly yeah. was there in this game. It does kind of draw a little bit of concerns for the Penn State offensive line. Um, the the Penn State offensive line has looked a bit dominant at times, and it's looked a bit leaky at times as well. I, I would argue the two more formidable foes, West Virginia and Illinois, we've seen more leaky. Yes. You know, we said about West Virginia was the only the only really good thing about them was their, was their trenches, and you saw Penn State kind of had to work their way around yeah. a little bit before yeah. they finally figured out. And we know Illinois' best part of their defense is their defensive line, and they yep. had to work their way around it. So I think – that, maybe that's a trend. Maybe that's, you know, they did lose uh, Landon Tangwell early in the year, who was yep. a, high, a highly rated sure. player. I think maybe, that's a, guard, so. maybe that's a bigger interior miss or loss. Yeah, what's the what's the depth? You know, maybe I, maybe that, losing a left guard, you know, you would think, ah, it's a guard. You can, you can peek anybody in there. But anybody that's watched enough high-level yes. football, yes, those are, I mean, especially with a lot, depending on what kind of running schemes you're doing, you're at Asking your guards to pull and move Correct. and do things, and some of them help help make calls with the centers. Like, yep. it, it maybe that's bigger. Maybe the depth isn't what we thought it was there in that offensive line. And I don't think we're saying like, you know, hit the panic button here for Penn no, State. Absolutely not. It's just something to look at. And here's here's a positive spin. And I'm not just positive spinning this for the sake of doing it. This is a good test. For Illinois, I, I could make an argument. This game came out almost exactly how you wanted it to come out. If you're a Penn State fan, you go into Illinois and dog walk them. What do you learn there? Not much. You obviously got physical teams on the schedule, you know, left on the schedule for Penn State, but you got away with a 17 point win. So I think this is overall very good uh, for Penn State. One person that you hope learns from this is Drew Aller. Not a bad stat stat line, but 16 of 33. So we're under 50% completion percentage, 208 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. The proverbial didn't hurt his team, didn't exactly help his team. 
Um, struggle boss to team rushing, but they stuck with it. 40 carries, 164 yards, 4.1 yard average. So like you have to give Penn state credit for, I think sticking to their game plan and, and that game plan leading to it. I don't know if their game plan was forcing four turnovers from Lukey legs, but you also have to give them, I don't know, credit for, for picking the ball. Lukey legs was just kind of throwing it up to them. It it, it was more about Altmeyer struggling on at least three of them than Penn State, you know, forcing them. Um, and then switching to Illinois, like I I still don't know what's going on on the defense. Like my take is 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 Altmeyer is trying to do too much. I feel like we've seen enough of Illinois to know that they are searching for an identity and how they're gonna move the ball on offense. Certainly this game didn't provide any more help, you know, in the area of of trying to figure out what they're trying to do on offense. Yeah. I mean, and something maybe with Penn state's offense that was more concerning even to me than the offensive line is I don't see a whole lot of receivers getting separation. I agree. And when you have a young quarterback like drew Aller, you want, you want him to have easy throws on the road. Good job. You want, you want him to be able to not have to sit there mm-hmm. go to second, third or fourth read because the big 10, these environments get, really nasty especially the further yep. in the season you go but when you look at the stat line and tyler warren has three catches liam clifford has a catch theo johnson has two catches keandre lambert smith only has three catches there's not a whole lot of like oh yeah we got a well, guy here that's going and winning battles so i would say quarterbacks oftentimes get complimented for spreading the ball around so aller deserves that comp that 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 pat on the back for that but we do need a man. We need a dude to step up and be like the go-to guy. It hasn't happened yet. Every one of these teams has got weaknesses or things oh, yeah. that very much need to get improved on. I would say right now, Penn State's ability to create separation and big plays out of their receiving uh, department is there. But again, we're still pretty young into the season. We'll see how it goes. Uh, with the win, Penn State moves to 3-0. and With the loss, Illinois drops to 1-2. and However, Illini fans, stick with us. The schedule, I think, can allow you to get back on track here. So, so don't give up on Beatles squad just yet. Stick it in. A lot of season left. A lot of season left. Stick it in with the early games. Louisville, 21. Indiana, 14. The Hoosiers with 357 yards of total offense. So the Cardinals, 422. Jordan, you're kind of shaking your head a little bit. Explain the shakage of head edge right there. This is like, I mean, it's Maryland all over again, just not to the the extreme. Indiana comes out completely flat, like just lays a nothing burger in the first half and then is a totally different team in the second half. Like Mm -hmm. they, I mean, you couldn't have seen two different teams from half to half of what we saw. I mean, there was no identity early on. The defense was leaky. There were plays everywhere. Offense couldn't get any rhythm going in the first half. Then second half, it's like, oh, switch is flipped. Now Taven Jackson is looking good, making reads. I mean, come down to the goal line for a shot to tie the damn game, and then we fall flat on our face again. Yeah. It was just a really frustrating game for me to, to – I mean, I didn't watch it super up close live, but to rewatch it, and it's like, man, as an Indiana fan, I've got to be so pissed because I feel like I'm the better team in this game, and we didn't yeah. pull it off because we started off so poorly. Yep. Taven Jackson, the stat line, 24 of 34, 299 yards. You know, touchdown to pick, I get it, but, like, 
I didn't think we would see a lot of, of 24 out of 34 for, you know, call it 300 yards out of Taven Jackson, especially this young, you know, into his career and, and into the season. Jalen Lucas, 10 carries, 98 yards and a touchdown. Cam Camper, a, a, a good day. The team rushing, not so good for Indiana. I mean, that to me was a big part of the reason with the slow start. 27 carries, 58 yards, 2.1 yard average. I think Indiana wanted to establish the rushing attack. They kept trying when it wasn't there. I think at halftime they just said, screw it. Let's see if we'll, let's just let Taven cook and see what happens. And it and it worked. Probably caught Louisville by surprise right there. Um Louisville, Jake Plummer, pretty nice day. Jamari Thrash living up to his name and what he did to the Hoosier defense. Four catches, 159 yards and a touchdown in this game. Um I, I really kind of wonder though, I mean, this was a neutral field. Like if they if these two teams played on a neutral field. I'd, I'd love to know what the split is. It might w- very well be five wins for each. It might be six wins for Indiana and four for Louisville. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not real sure. Um, Hoosier fans really wanted this one. Indiana really wanted this one for their bowl hopes. This is probably one of the more painful losses on the page this week for any of the Big Ten fans. I would I would be willing to bet if they lined this game up again, exact same situation, same venue, everything. That spread is no longer ten points. I bet you it's down to like five and a half. That's four and yeah, a half, something like that. I think one. you you look at this thing. Okay, these teams are a whole lot closer than what we thought originally. And I correct. To be honest with you, this is kind of what I thought the game would be. I did think it would be the other way around, and that Indiana would win. was going to win it, but. And I mean, my, I'm not totally shocked with exactly yeah. how it went. I'm, I'm shocked at how badly they came out, obviously. But otherwise, it was what I wanted to see. We said let let Taven Jackson be the athlete that he is. Thought there'd yes. be more of the running aspect of it. He's right. surprised with the throwing the ball, but and and my read on this game was I I could see it going both ways. I thought the spread was too big for Louisville's way as well. And then this is my degenerate gambling brain. Because of that, I took Louisville to cover because I thought that was that was Vegas. You know how it goes. I Vegas. went the other way. I took yep. the points. I liked. I thought it was too many points too. I thought it should have been about seven and a half. Yep, yep. Sometimes you're correct to trust your gut. Sometimes you're correct to trust your de- de- degenerate gambling brain. You were correct on this one. So with the loss, the Hoosiers fall to one and two. Making a bowl is still alive, but. You know, a little bit on life support, a little bit on life support with that. Next game up, Wisconsin 35, Georgia Southern 14. The Badgers with 451 yards of total offense to the Eagles 455. Huh? What's that? How does a team have 455 yards of total offense more than the other team, yet lose by three scores? Jordan is holding up five fingers and one thumb. Why is that? Why are you holding up five fingers and one thumb, Jordan? Six turnovers. That's insane. Six. Six. That is wild in a game like this, where it seemed like when Georgia Southern had the ball, they could do whatever they wanted, and then, nope, here you go. Nope. Like, Nebraska fans had to feel bad for Georgia Southern watching this game. Cause like, yeah, we saw what Jeff Sims did to them, but then Georgia Southern goes and one ups it with six turnovers. Insane. I've never seen anything like it. Cause I was watching the game and I thought, man, early on Georgia Southern, like they're going to, they're going to be in this game down the end. And I kept flipping back to it. And I'm like, 
what the hell? Wisconsin yeah. scored again. What happened? I look, oh, another turnover. Oh, another turnover. Oh, another turnover. But saying all that, I still don't know who Wisconsin is. We don't. We don't. You know, a joke that's gone through my head is Davis Brin. He was simming this game. Instead of simulating simming this game, 33 of uh, 52, 383 yards, one touchdown, five picks, I mean, in the game. And then going on to what you said about Wisconsin, um, I, I will say this, uh, as far as what we don't know about Wisconsin, I, there's one thing I'm getting more and more confident in. It, it's it, This is not going to be a strong defense this year. Um, no, that, that I, I think feeling, at this point we have to say that. Yeah, I mean, it, I think I'm at least to the point now where I have to get proven on the other side of things that this can wind up being a, a good Wisconsin defense. I'm convinced it's not you know, a heyday great or elite Wisconsin defense, that 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 ship has sailed. I will say it's ironic, though. All the talk last week for Wisconsin was we need to start forcing turnovers, okay? <laughs> they get six. <laughs> Boy, they game. did that in spades, yeah. didn't they? And and here's my thought, though, Jordan. Are they – were they focusing on turnovers as their focus because they've come to the realization that they're just not going to be able to get stops? Like – I don't think that's a conspiracy theorist type of I mean, thing. Like, that's what I'm seeing right now. At this point, you almost have to take it into consideration yeah. because, like we said, we just don't know who they are. You still give up 455 yards of offense. Yeah, that's I mean, a if lot. you're going to do that, you got to find some way to be back in the game. And, and truth be told, is the way to do it. Truth be told, there's not a lot of Georgia Southern offenses, you know, left on the schedule for no. Wisconsin. There's not a lot of Georgia Southern defenses. There's probably zero Georgia Southern defenses left on the schedule for Wisconsin. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, 29 of 30, or excuse me, 19 of 30 for 236 yards. No touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, that, uh, that I believe, or maybe there was one fumble in this game. I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering. He I don't remember it. one. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. He spread the ball all around. Okay. There's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense for all the transfers in. Still, though, with Tanner Mordecai, as far as the wet dream that maybe some Badger fans had of Mordecai coming into the season, we're, we're three games in. We haven't seen it yet, right? I mean, it's it's he's painting the board for what you look like. Um, that's where the identity, I think, is we're still searching for. Um, we predicted on the podcast that we thought they would get back to to making the rushing attack more, more of an emphasis. They did, 38 carries, 270 yards. That's a 5.4-yard average, five touchdowns on the ground. So they definitely got the rushing attack going against this, you know, struggling defense. Yeah, anytime you have a Wisconsin team that can get that kind of rushing attack going, it's going to make Tanner Mordecai's life a little bit easier. And I think that's where they do have to lean because they do still have two great running backs. They do. Braylon and Allen. I think if you can, yeah, feed them and let yep. Mordecai just run the offense then. Uh, Braylon Allen, 12 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. That's a 7.8 yard average. Che Louis, decent, 16-61, 4.1-yard average. He had one of the touchdowns. Part of the reason Tanner Mordecai didn't have the touchdown passes because they were punching it in with the rushing attack, so you can't fold him too much for that. But um, we were told this was not going to look like a typical Wisconsin team. Three games in. That's yep. the one thing we can hang our hat on. This, this, <laughs> this is not your typical Wisconsin team. Uh, but they win, and they move to 2-1. and one. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This 
Double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Jordan may or may not have gotten a nice shipment um, from the Amador Whiskey Company. Did you did you get into the Amador experience? I was just weekend? gonna I was just gonna say before we get to this next game, I gotta tell you, I'm not a rye fan as a bourbon person. Do not not a rye person, but that you know, I when you get something, you gotta try it. Yep. And and I made myself a few old fashions last night watching Michigan fall on their face over and over again. And the rye does very well in an old fashioned. I will fully yes. support that. I very well. Yeah, and that little you know, the little pork finish takes a little bit of the edge mm -hmm. of the rye yep. off, but boy, you mix yep. it with you mix it with the sugars of an old fashioned. It is it's not uh, something I think I would enjoy straight, but I that rye are like that. Riser, Riser, like an eighty twenty, maybe even ninety yeah. ten. The the ten or twenty percent of the people that love Rise, they love them some Rise. Um, the Chardonnay, I just drink straight up. I that is just yep. how I do the Chard. But, but I haven't got to in. the Cab yet. But the Chard, yeah, yeah give me an ice cube and they're I'm good both. To go. They're the Cab and the and the uh, Port. You know the the Rye are both good in an old fashioned. All right, moving into the afternoon, the uh, score here: Duke thirty eight, Northwestern fourteen. The Blue Devils with four hundred eighty seven yards. Of total offense to the Wildcats, 267. The game that everybody was predicting, it kind of took place here on Saturday afternoon. Yep, I totally agree. I just think we saw a really good Duke team and a kind of bad Northwestern team. And from what I watched of it, it just seemed like Duke was better all the way around on the field. And they kind of asserted themselves where they wanted to. I almost felt like they probably could have put on a little more in this yeah. game than yeah. they did. Yep. Uh, good to see Northwestern put a little bit of a fight in still. You know, it didn't I didn't feel like this team had quit. You know, you almost wonder you get that win. You think, okay, we've we've got our point here. Let's let's we're gonna mail this in. There still seems like there's fight there. Yeah. And and that's good to see, but definitely overmatched by what I think is gonna be a sneaky contender in the ACC the rest of the year, these Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, I mean, what we saw was a team that will very much struggle to make a bowl game, you know, Northwestern against a team that could win nine games in a very good SEC or uh, uh, ACC. Riley Leonard, 15 to 20, 100, uh, uh, 219 yards. Essentially, he just made the throws that were there. They punched it in on the ground. Yep. Team rushing that Northwestern allowed 40 carries, 268 yards. That's a 6.7 yard average, five touchdowns. One would think when you get up to, you know, you pop a big play. Early in the game, you can have a big average, but over a 40 carry, you know, stretch, you would think the average would be below five. 6.7 is a healthy day out of your rushing attack with yep. a lot of it coming in the second half when everybody knew that Duke was going to run the ball. Um, yikes. Uh, Northwestern did what they could rushing the ball, 30 carries, 104 yards, uh, 3.5 yard average. Cam Porter, decent. Ben Bryant, decent. Um, I thought it would be a muckier game that the points would come into play, but in the end, who did what they needed to do? Um, yeah, this 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 game really kind of ended up about where I thought. I had thirty one yeah. thirteen was my predicted score, so I I was I felt pretty good about what this was going to be. And I was pretty close to that too, but tack on another touchdown, and that's why they covered. And with the loss, yep. Northwestern drops to one and two. Sticking in the afternoon, next game, Iowa forty one. Western Michigan 10, the Hawkeyes with 387 yards of total offense to the Broncos, 239. Okay, Jordan, uh, on the way up, uh, Big Kurt and I talked. Um, uh, 
shot the bull a little bit. I asked him this question. I want to ask you the same one. Okay, now here's what I say. Just I'm I'm asking this question seriously. Consider the question, but give me your honest answer to it. Okay. Always do. In my opinion, <laughs> Iowa could play Western Michigan or Iowa could play Alabama. And the game will look almost exactly the same for the first two and a half quarters or so. Hmm. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it like that. But yeah, it does kind of seem like that's how it trends, doesn't it? And and the one thing to consider we'll in that is the team I used, Alabama, because uh, yeah. lo- long story short is it's it's going to be a slog fest in some capacity. Um, I'm not I'm not saying anything new with how Iowa games look. What I'm saying is I think they could pull it off with almost anybody, not everybody, okay? There's a couple teams at the top that are in their own, you know, world right now. But th- this is what, you know, Iowa, Iowa games look like. There's going to be one part of the offense that is struggling so much that it takes essentially the aesthetics of the whole team down with it. And this week it was Cade McNamara. And there's no way around it. We'll jump into the ugly pond right away to break down this game. Nine of 19, 103 yards, two picks, two touchdowns. The two picks came first before, I believe. No, I take that back. He had a a pick, then a touchdown, a pick, then a touchdown, I think is how that went. Um, I think the headset thrown to the ground or that, that was heard around the world, or maybe you didn't see it, but Brian Ferentz absolutely lost his crap at the end of the first half. And it was on Cade uh, because the, the play was schemed up perfectly and Cade just didn't make the throw. Um, you need more out of your, you know, senior, very experienced quarterback than what Iowa got. If it's going to look better early and for how, you know, Iowa fans wanted this game to look. Yeah. To me, it almost looks like Cade is really, really gun shy in the pocket. Like he's, like I don't know if it's the if the leg the if it's bothering him and it's in his mind, but he just doesn't look comfortable. Correct. He looks like he's he's thinking way too much standing in there instead of just trusting what he can do. And anybody that knows quarterback, that's a dangerous game to play. If you're in there with happy feet and you're you're thinking too much, you can be in a lot of trouble. And that's your somewhat ten thousand foot view. KF agrees with you. He essentially said the exact same thing after the game. He's not healthy. We know that. Um, it is depressing when the when the pocket breaks down and you can see he, the instincts kick in. He squirts out. He can't run, and it is yeah, he wants to go but can't. And it's there. And it and and I I maybe a couple times explained to the people next to me in my in my state or in my my section they would scream. I'm like he can't run. He wants to run. And 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 I kept saying like you guys don't have any idea how much that hampers any offense like. I was uh, uh, driving up, listening to Sirius XM radio, and they were interviewing the Ohio uh, head coach. Giggle, giggle, giggle. Uh, they beat Iowa State is my reference here. And the, the Ohio ca- coach referenced how his quarterback extended plays with his legs in the second half and how huge that was in order to keep drives going and to keep uh, Iowa State on the, off uh, away from the ball. That's a coach talking about how important a quarterback's legs are, even if he doesn't run for 80 yards and three touchdowns, like just to, to extend drives and 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 plays. And we, we don't have that on the Iowa offense right now. And boy, does that does that hurt 
in in some capacity. It, it, and uh, I think for the first two weeks, it hurt the rushing attack. This week, it hurt the passing attack. Eesh, it is a frustrating thing to see. With that being said, there are positives. Uh, team rushing, 43 carries for 254 yards. That's a 5.9 yard, yard average. Finally, the Iowa rushing attack popped. Yeah, that was an Iowa rushing attack that we're used to seeing, and that was good to see. You you needed a, you needed to have that performance, that confidence builder against a Western Michigan team that, let's be honest, is not very good, and you should push her on, and your running back should have good performances like that. You hope maybe that's the confidence builder to push them going forward because we know the schedule gets brutal now going forward. So that offensive line, you need to have something in these games going forward with Cade being hempered, like we said, yeah. something you can lean on, something you can trust to make his life easier. And if we can get back to those old school Iowas where we know we can run it, maybe we're not going to rush for 250 yards a game. Right. But we can extend drives and we can maybe we can have a 10 or 12 play drive instead of these three, four plays and out and your defense staying on the field for way too long. Uh, right before the game, we found out Caleb Williams uh, was out. Uh, or Johnson, excuse me, was out uh, for this game. Uh, very quickly after that, Jazz Patterson went out of the game. So, Bam, just like that, down to our third and fourth running backs, which were LaShawn Williams and Kamari Moulton. Sean Williams, uh, LaShawn Williams, 12 carries, 145 yards. That's a 12.1-yard average. Kamari Moulton, 8 carries, 50 yards, 6.3-yard average. So props to the Iowa offense for having a third and fourth guy ready to go. In fact, there was a fifth string running back that came in there and looked good. Uh, the defense had some holes in the first half. Uh Jamari Harris had been out for the first two games, looked rusty, gave up a big bomb on third and like 15 for like a 60, 70 yard touchdown. Uh, they had like a tight end uh, uh, set up pass across the middle that they let. However, in the second half, 35 yards and one first down for Western Michigan. Uh, me thinks Phil Parker. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> a little bit at halftime. Think yeah. Phil Parker had a motivational speech at yeah. halftime or what? So in the end, the, you know, the mood was set by Iowa's defense and special teams. Our special teams are incredible every year. Block punt pretty much put this thing away. Um, and then tight end Luke Lachey, horrible. I think he's out for the year um, from the injury that I saw. That something's broke uh, in the lower part of his leg. So that is a, a, a big loss. Hey, good teams win great teams cover Iowa did cover here painfully for me to be honest with you I wasn't exactly I wasn't exactly looking for Iowa to punch that last one in um and then I, I guess I'll go ahead and ask it now of course Brett McMurphy and all the slime balls that are out there their take is this is Brian Ferentz you know and, and Kirk going for the extra points and I'm obviously I'm already sharing my opinion it was it was third and fourth string guys out there yeah. with three minutes to go. The guy that scored the touchdown is a team favorite. He's a six-year senior. It's not okay. That's not a good story for, for that guy. You to don't, you don't stop don't playing know. the game just because of some quirky point thing. Like okay. you're, st you're still lining up. You're still running plays. It's it's no, to me, that's not a thing. And, and if, if they were trying to fluff the numbers up, would have been something where they they would have worked a whole lot harder in the the first game of the year to try to right. really put points up when they had that game in control. And and if people think I'm just saying this from an Iowa point of view, go back to the Penn State West Virginia game. I shared the exact same thoughts there that I was in favor of Penn State going down and scoring the late touchdown. So I'm really just continuing on with that. 
Speaking of continue on, let's go from there with the win. Iowa moves to 3-0, and the only undefeated team left in the West. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing when I really think about it here. Here's something that is definitely a good thing. Rutgers 35, Vatek 16, the Scarlet Knights with 302 yards of offense to the Hokies, 319. You wussies, rank Rutgers. They didn't. They're not ranked. I don't even think I saw them getting votes. I, I will say this. Uh, I know Rutgers have they've played three pretty bad teams, okay? But they look good. And, and I people need to tune in a little bit more to Rutgers and watch them. They've done to those bad teams what they're supposed to do yeah. to those bad teams. Not once in these three games have we said, boy, I thought that game was really in doubt. Like, I thought, man, I thought Rutgers was going to lose that game. I was watching this game from the jump, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Virginia Tech is not going to score a whole lot of points nope. in this game. Like, if they get to 20, it's going to be a miracle watching early on in this game. And then once you see Rutgers' offense and Kyle, the fun guy, Manung guy, Holy moly, this yep. kid is becoming a sensation. He is. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch yes. in the Big Ten for various different reasons. 16 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns. Whew. 8.9 yard average. See. And it's not just the stats, it's his style of running. You know, like he's that a place. bowling ball that just does it. not give a shit. He will run through anything, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, defense. The Hokies with only uh, 129 yards on 39 carries. That's a 3.3-yard average. Um, Gavin Wimps said, interesting stat line, but I want to give him a shout-out here. Okay. 7 of 16, okay, for 46 yards. But one touchdown, no picks. Dude, he did his job, okay? Like, the way this game was going and how they wanted him to get used because 11 carries, 87 yards on the ground. That's a 7.9-yard average. Just, you know what, folks, it doesn't all have to look the same, okay? You you don't always get 300 yards out of your passer and 200 yards with out of your rushing attack with 150 of them coming from the, you know, the main featured back. Like, there are many different ways. I don't know if you can still use this expression to skin a cat. And and it's kind of gross. I was, that. I, I, was I, thinking I, it. I, I was thinking it. So I <laughs> it. Okay. But, like. There are many ways to win a game, and Rutgers is doing it how it best fits them to do it. This is not rocket science here. This is the best way to do it. Control the turnovers. Get the rushing attack however you can get it. Wimsett throws the ball when he kind of needs to as a change of pace. What Wimsett's doing his job. Rutgers is doing its job. It, it's been a fun pro- – it's been a fun uh, 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 thing to see with Rutgers because they're almost for sure the most improved team – in the Big Ten, you could probably make an argument they're the most improved team in the entire country. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to say is this is why I love college football and not the NFL so much because this isn't the NFL where there's there's a certain plan and a style that yes. you have to play to compete and to, and to win games. You can do it a whole lot of different ways in college football and win games. It, it There is a plethora of options out there, and they're finding what works for them. They're playing stingy defense, and they're running the ball, and they're doing it their way. There's nothing wrong with that. If you can make it work, that's great. We will find out now yes. next week yeah. what it does against a better step up of competition because it does get a whole lot tougher coming next week. But so far... This season, Rutgers is definitely the talk of the conference because I've been very pleased with what I've seen from them. I think 
Head and shoulders better. This is an easy bowl team, in my opinion. Yep. Seven wins is not off the table in my mind. Right. Like this, this team is they're plucky. They're going to get somebody. Yes. But they shouldn't because they're just tough and shit. And it's that's the Greg Shiano effect, I think. And Iowa plays Rutgers at home. I was actually talking to somebody about this at the Iowa game. Like, yeah, yeah, you better not be counting that Rutgers win. In fact, I wonder how many Big Ten teams have already counted that Rutgers game as a win. You might want to reconsider that stuff. I can tell you as a Michigan fan, and I saw some of these early lines come out and said that Michigan was given 30 and a half to Rutgers. I'll bet my mortgage on that right now, and I'll take the points because there's no chance that game's that out of hand. So, Well, I don't about no chance, but a little bit high of a line. I I feel fairly confident that 30 is a lot with these two defenses. And maybe we'll break that down here in just a little bit. With the win, Rutgers moves to three. And oh, next game up, Zoinks, Ohio State 63, Western Kentucky 10, the Buckeyes with 562 yards of, of total offense to the Hilltoppers, 284. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's a that was a good looking Ohio State uh team. Like it, it didn't surprise me so much with how the offense looked, didn't even let the Hilltoppers in that explosive passing attack get back in the game. This was we're tired of this shit suffocating uh, uh, performance from Ohio State. That was that was kind of my read on the thing. Yeah, it was good to see the because I mean, if you remember, I made the comment that this Western Kentucky offense can be dangerous. They like they like to play fast. They like to score, try to score a lot of points. And Ohio State's defense did a nice job. They were up to the test. Ten points, you'll take that any day of the week against this team because, like I said, we we said it. This Western Kentucky team could score points with a lot of teams. And Ohio State went in. I was worried about the look ahead to next week with Notre Dame, they squashed all that. Total effort all the way around, both sides of the ball. Very pleased with what I saw. The receivers were open. McCord looked confident. Running game was nice, and it was balanced. It wasn't wasn't trying to overload certain guys. So that's uh, overall happy with what I saw. Um, So basically for my score prediction, uh, you would take – if you took two touchdowns off of Ohio state and gave them to Western Kentucky. That's almost exactly what my score was predicted, which was wrong. With that being said, the reason that it didn't go down like that was because of Ohio state's defense. They didn't allow the open receivers for Western Kentucky. Like there was, there was just no room. I mean, for Western Kentucky to operate, I mean, they threw the ball 37 times. And Austin Reed only got to 207 yards. Like you throw the ball 37 times, you would think you would, you know, come up with more uh, uh, stats. And then rushing stats for the Hilltoppers 33 carries, 80 yards, 2.4 yard average. 33 carries is a lot too. You know, that's a decent attack. There was just nothing there. Um, And then the other thing I would add is who am I to doubt Ryan Day, right? And quarterback development, but like, what exactly was he seeing to think Devin Brown was better than Kyle McCord? Like 19 of 23, 318 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I think part of the reason this offense popped and looked so good is because Kyle McCord knew he was the man, exhaled, relaxed, and just torched this Hilltopper defense. Like, could have we seen this from the beginning of the year if McCord was just getting the one reps all through camp? Like, it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of water over the dam now, but if I'm a Buckeye fan, that's one question I'd be asking for. for yeah, and that, that 100% matters because when the people can say all oh, their division one athletes, they, they don't think about it. Like these guys are a hundred percent thinking yeah. about it. Like this, you're thinking I'm, I could lose my job if I have one bad performance. So yeah, to take that pressure off and say, okay, you're the guy 
just go out and be you. Yes, that makes a difference 100%, and I agree with you. One, I think we saw that. I think we saw confident Kyle McCord, yep. and as a Michigan fan, I don't like it. Marvin Harrison was amazing. Kate Stover was amazing. Double E was amazing. Two sacks, eight TFLs from the defense. And what do you get with that? You get a win, and Ohio State moves to 3-0 with a big one on the road next week. Next game up, zoinks for a whole different reason. Washington, 41. Michigan State, 7. The Spartans with 261 yards of total offense to the Huskies, 713 yards. Most yards ever given up by Michigan State in their home stadium. Listen, we'll talk on Michigan State real quick, but um, Washington might be, this might be the best team in the country. It at least deserves mention when we are talking about the best teams in the country. The fact that they were able to run the ball as well as they were along with passing the ball, I 100% think it's the best offense in the country. The defense stepped up and played a hell of a game too, so if they can continue to show that, they're they're 100% in that conversation. It was impressive, especially since the second half, they took their foot off the gas. I mean, they had 35 and a half, and you could could tell it was very much, okay, let's not get anybody hurt here. Yep. Speaking Speaking of somebody that they don't want to get hurt, the Penix. The Penix. Firming up his case for the stiff-armed Heisman. 27 of 35. 473 yards. Four touchdowns. No picks. And all four touchdowns were in the first half, I believe. Correct? Yeah, yeah. they didn't have a touch. They only had two field goals in the second half. The, I, I, I don't know what to say, but like, buzzsaw that Michigan State ran into. Okay, like, I really think this team could touch up uh, pretty much anybody Noah Kim, kind of what we alluded to. I, I I picked Washington to cover this because I was sensing that I don't know if he was quite ready for this moment. I don't I don't think he was 12 of 31, 136 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. What was surprising is and this maybe it was because you know Washington's defense was sensing that the passing attack wasn't exactly a threat to them. Team rushing 27 carries, 52 yards, two yard average out of of the uh, uh, Michigan State rushing attack. I mean, we had seen a lot of strength from the rushing attack. I don't know. Um, I think if you're Michigan State, as best you can, you try to flush this thing and 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 just move on. Because I I I don't know. Yeah, what you, I, you have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean this um, this I mean this was my lock of the week. So now unfortunately it goes to one and two because Michigan State couldn't score anything. I mean I had over. 55 and a half. And I feel like I would have been there comfortably with any kind of performance. Correct. Cause even, Michigan state, even and if just, you got 14 points out of Michigan state, Washington keeps their offense out there a little yeah. bit more. And then the, it goes over. So I'm, I'm with you there. Like needless to say, I played it. And if I were to do it, I would play it again because yeah. I still think that that's the right play in this game. Yeah. Uh, with the, with the loss, Michigan state drops to two and one next game up. Speaking of uh, Amador Locks of the Week, Nebraska 35, Northern Illinois freaking 11. So I'll just take a pause right there. Th- there was 22 points needed to be scored in the fourth quarter, or 20 points that needed to be scored in the fourth quarter for this to win over. They got 22 with a touchdown with four seconds left on the clock to push this over the 43 and a half. And and me to lose my Amador lock of the week, I would have moved to three and zero if this held. 
I love Scott Van Pelt's uh, bad beats on Monday night on that. I'm going to be watching Sports Center because I fully expect to see this bad beat to be on there. Okay, how about the game? Huskers 382 yards of total offense to the to the Huskers 382 yards of offense to the Huskies 149. Dude, Nebraska's got a great defense. I if anybody's not doesn't recognize that they just haven't tuned in to watch Nebraska. This is a swarming, very good defense. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think like we mentioned it last week with the Colorado game. I think that this defense is going to keep this Huskers team in all their games. They will be in the games. It's a matter of whether or not the offense can matriculate anything to, to keep, to put them over and get these wins. We saw good signs to this week, you know, yep. uh, Sims is out. Our, our new quarterback, Heinrich, Harburg, is that correct? Nice horse. Nice horse. Yeah, got it. it. Yep. Yep. Didn't look, look anything good. fancy, but he no. got it done. Made yeah. the plays, made good throws, was safe with the ball, didn't yes. turn it over. So Nebraska fans have got to be loving it. Absolutely. And 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 people are like, oh yeah, it's it's northern Illinois. Doesn't matter right now. You I tell you, well, and then the other and, side of it, and and the other side of it too is okay, I, I'm 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 just speaking to hypotheticals here. This this is stupid, I get it. But let's say Jeff Sims plays and turns the ball over three times in this game. Maybe Nebraska still wins the game, but it's going to be a lot closer. Heinrich only had... It feels a whole lot worse. It feels a whole lot worse. He had one uh, fumble on a really, you know, well-timed physical hit from Northern Illinois. Speaking of physical, this whole game was physical. Um, Nebraska was physical. Northern Illinois was physical. Like, there there were some sore dudes the next day, I can guarantee you that. But but Heinrich did his job, man. You know, and 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 you got to be happy with that. Gabe Irvin, uh, seventy six yards, four point eight yard average, and, and a, a touchdown on the game. Three sacks, five TFLs. Uh, Thomas Fedoni, four catches, forty two yards, and a shh to his home crowd touchdown catch in the game. Not to his home crowd. I know Nebraska fans. It was to specific Nebraska fans and beat writers that he disliked and had been mixing it up with on Twitter. Still just kind of a weird thing for me to, to shut. Well, he, I mean, he was a highly recruited guy and that's the whole thing. Like, he, yeah, I mean, he was, he was a big name coming out of high school and he's been getting a lot of criticism. So good for him. Yeah. Look good. Yeah. He did look good. He looked good on another catch uh, as well. 21 carries 98 yards, a 4.7 yard average from Heinrich Harburg on the ground as well. Um, but yeah, team rushing for Northern Illinois, 22 carries for 26 yards. I, I don't care who you play. When you have that stats uh, out of your run, out of your defense for allowing for rushing attacks, that is pretty impressive. It's like keep you in games. I'm telling you. And, I, and I'll say this, we know the identity of Nebraska. They're going to play as good as special teams as they can. They're going to lean on their defense. They are going to run the ball downhill at you and do their best to limit mistakes and throw the ball when needed, kind of like a Rutgers approach. Okay. And I I I yep. don't mean to you know put Nebraska into Rutgers. I, I get it, but like it's the same approach. Okay. To to and they can win a lot of games and get to a bowl. Yes, get to a bowl if they follow the script that they did on Saturday night for the rest of the season. Fair enough. Yep, I agree completely. Yep. We we said when we started previewing this, flush the first two games, start your season. They did. And build the confidence. They did. So this is a good step. Now you build. You got Indiana Tech next week. 
Yep. No reason you can't have another Correct. similar performance and build Correct. again. And then you get into your Big Ten West schedule and try to make the Big Ten West is showing it's wide open. Correct. There's a hundred percent no reason this Nebraska team can't make a push for it. Absolutely not. And with the win, the Huskers move to one and two. Head coach Matt Rule's first win as the Nebraska head coach. Next game up. Okay. Michigan 31, bowling green six. The Wolverines with 312 yards of total offense to the Falcons. 203. Listen, I'm going to start out with a question to you. Like, people act like a head coach not being there is just nothing. I don't know, man. I, I, I think you're, you're happy to see Jim Harbaugh come back next week. I, I feel like there's been like a cumulative effect the last three weeks. And am I crazy or do Michigan fans agree with me on that? No, I think, I think that was a pretty well felt census amongst Michigan fan base over Twitter over the weekend after that game because this game was just sloppy. Yep. Like there was offensively, let's say the defense looked absolutely fine. Especially, I mean, the defense I had absolutely zero complaints about. They, they did everything they needed to do. The offense, it was, which looks sloppy, which is where Jim Harbaugh makes his money is the offense. So it makes sense. So listen, like when Gaddis was there, I flat out think Harbaugh was calling the entire game. Okay. At least at, at times. Now, I believe he had handcuffs on it. I know that. Okay. Now, right now, Sharon is has much more control and calling the plays on this offense. Trust me. Okay. However, a head coach with this much control and input, I'm not. What I'm saying is Harbaugh is in the headset saying, hey, lean on this, Uh, attack that spot. That's my belief. Now, I'm not saying he's telling Sharon to call what play. I'm saying he's saying, call a play to attack this. Let's do this right now. Not having Harbs in the headset to tell Sharon that type of stuff. This, this is kind of theory stuff, but I just think I'm right. No, I think no, I'm right. You're here. right. Because okay. let, let's, let's, let's be realistic here. People can say a lot of things about Jim Harbaugh that they don't like because he's weird and quirky and all his stuff. The dude knows football. Yes. He's one of the best football coaches in the country for a reason. So his eye and what he's going to see, he's going to see things on the field as that you and I and everybody as else aren't going to see. Yeah. Yes, so yes. you're you're 100% right there. And I think, truly, J.J. McCarthy benefits from having him on the sideline because he's very, very involved in that quarterback room. Right. And J.J.'s been elite the first two games. He was really – he was not right in this game at all. And and it showed eight of thirteen for 143 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. One of the picks just bad right on the goal line in this game. Listen, every every player at some point has a bad game. So as long as it's not a trend, you just look back at this game. But you're going to get another test right away. So it's going to be all eyes on JJ next week. Um, I have, I mean, I have. Complete confidence he, he can do it. So this isn't me saying he's going to struggle or anything like that. I'm saying when I tune in next week, I'm going to be watching J.J. Everybody's going to be watching J.J. It's it's going to be a little bit interesting to see. Yeah, the type of kid he is, too. I think he's going to dive into the film. He's a he's a he's not like some of these guys that just go play golf all the time. He's a he's a film rat. So he'll dive into it. I will say the first interception that you talked about on the goal line. If you watch the play, that wasn't on him. The tight end was supposed to run a stop route, like a yard and a half okay. short of the goal line, and okay. he carried it three yards into the end zone. So his guy was able to sag back. Just throwing the ball was wide open. 
if that tight end stops for his route where he's supposed to, that's the right read. And Sharon Moore said it. He's like, that one wasn't on JJ. That was on our tight end. He was supposed to stop that route. The other two picks, terrible. Bad reads. One was a one was a terrible read where he threw it to the wrong receiver, and the other one was just him trying to be hero ball instead of throwing it away, which is things that – those are inexcusable. You can't have that if you want to get where Michigan wants to get. So, Team rushing, 31 carries, 169 yards. It's a 5.5-yard average, two touchdowns. I can't explain it. Like, what I'm getting at is the stats look good, but, like, the pop – it still doesn't feel like it's it's there for me. And I can't put exactly put my finger on it, but like it just popped more last year with the rushing it's attack. It's because chunk there's plays. not the big plays. There's it's, not it's the, the big chunk plays. plays. It's the chunk yeah. plays. Uh however, team defense, three sacks, ten tackles for loss. You've been this talking about the defense. It's 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 it is a sick defense. It is their their defensive line. I'm getting more and more bullish yes. that this defensive line might be the best in the country because it's eight deep. They just keep rotating, throwing bodies, and they're all damn good. And if you think that's you know Jordan kind of blown smoke, just look around the country. Okay, like there's it's. Georgia isn't what it used to be, you know. Like uh, uh, Alabama is, you know. Like this is definitely in the com- conversation for the best front seven in college football, which would equate itself very well as time goes on. Anything else you want to add here, or should we kind of move on? No, I could, we could have said nothing about this yeah. game. I would have been okay. completely fine. I'm ready to get into the <laughs> I really, really am. With the win, Michigan moves to three and zero. Exactly what how we thought they would go. Another game is going to be tough to talk about. Syracuse thirty five, Purdue twenty. Ugh, Boilermakers, 403 yards of total offense to the Orange, 455. Now, I will say, I think Syracuse is a little bit better than maybe even I gave him credit for. But Garrett Schrader. You said good. Garrett Schrader. When we were, he, man, he balled out in this he, game. He's like a football no player. Uh, yeah. But seven fumbles. Three of them lost and then add an interception. That is four turnovers in this game. Penalties were an issue for Purdue in this game. They didn't have enough square foot left on each foot for how many times they shot themselves in the foot in this game. The game and they were that still I, in the game. They were still in the game at the end. The 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 game that I predicted was there. Like it could have very qu- easily been twenty eight to twenty eight at the end of this game with Purdue pulled it out thirty five to twenty whatever. Like that game was there. Purdue just kept taking it away from Purdue. Like the final score of this game might very well be Purdue 35, Purdue 20. That's basically what it felt like. Frustrating if you're a Boilermaker fan. I'm not even sure. Well, I, I well, no, you can't just say Boilermaker fan because one of the group chats that we're in on Twitter, I think it's a Big Ten thing right now. Yes. The turnovers this turnovers. week were just, they were insane in the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan had three, Illinois had four, four. Purdue had, there were turnovers yep. galore out there. So I think it's a, now, let's hope it was a one-week trend and not something that continues within the conference. But there's a lot of fan bases that are nervous about all the turnovers we've yep. seen. Here's a trend that, unfortunately, I think for Purdue fans is going to be there pretty consistently. Team rushing for Syracuse, 44 carries, 271 yards, 6.2-yard average, five touchdowns. If Purdue can't stop rushing attacks more efficiently than that, yeah, my 6-6 six and six prediction and them getting to a bowl. Getting harder and harder to get there. Where it, it is a long ways away right now. Hudson Card was was good, you know, yeah. 32 of 46, 323 yards, touchdown. 
and a pick. Uh, Abdur Rahman Yassin, A-R-Y. I will definitely be calling him the rest of the year. 10 <laughs> catches, 114 yards. Deion Burke showed out again. They they rushed the ball. He struggled to rush the ball, but it was enough there. But there were so many fumbles in the rushing attacks. So that's why they couldn't trust the rushing attack. So you see snippets of the offense, but when, when you're coughing up the pill like they are, you're never going to get a, a consistent feel to your offense. And that's pretty much that's, that's just the trend right now. There's yeah. so many times we've said this exact same things. You, the, the most important thing in a football game is the ball. Yeah. You can't win if you're throwing the ball to the other team. With the loss, Purdue drops to one and two, three winnable games. Two and one would have been just fine if that's where they sat after three games. But I think at one and two, Purdue fans have the right to be a little disappointed. Last game of the week to break down the Big Ten Game of the Week. North Carolina, 31, Minnesota, 13. I had 28 to 14 in this game, so I was darn close. Gophers with 303 yards. I don't want to talk about what I had. Okay. <laughs> the Gophers with 303 yards of total offense to the Tar Heels. 519 as far as how the game trends went. Speaking of uh, getting down, they were down 14 to nothing pretty quick in this game. But they kept fighting, okay? And, and Minnesota's defense equated themselves very well. 14 nothing. they forced a, a turnover from Drake May, had the ball inside the goal line, had to settle for a field goal. I know that was early, but if you could have gotten that to 14-7 to right there and seized a bunch of, of momentum, I, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen how different that game would have been. 21-10 to at half, then it was 21-13. to Okay, we're back within one score, but as I kind of pointed out, I think this came to fruition. Minnesota's defense is good, maybe even great. A lot of yards in this game. However, the reason that North Carolina had a lot of yards is because Minnesota's defense was out there so much. And the reason Minnesota's offense was out uh, or uh, Minnesota's defense was out there so much, Minnesota's offense just it couldn't get it done. It just couldn't consistently move the ball. Um, and and that's what I kind of predicted, and that's pretty much what we got in this game. Yeah, I was really, really hoping, and I think I kind of hit on that. I thought Ethan Kaliak Manis was going to have a nice game here, and make some big plays. We didn't, we didn't really see that. There were there were several times where they needed a play on third down. They needed just to one more drive, just to get to keep the defense off the field for a little bit longer, and they just could not could yeah. find that play. I mean, Darius Taylor was great again, twenty two carries, one hundred thirty eight yards, and a touchdown. Yes, but you you've got to have that compliment. You've got to yeah. have a little bit. When you rely on your defense, like Minnesota does, there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't, you, you you can't put them on the field all the time. You got to give them a little something, and that's where this is going to fall a lot on on Kelly at Manis. And yeah. maybe that's not fair, but well, okay, here's he's what he's got to do something to help this offense. Yes. So what I would say is fair to say the passing attack is not what you want it to be. Um, whether or not it's solely on Kelly Manis schemes receivers i don't know but that's where the issues were it seemed to me that calic manis was struggling and i there was i will say too there was there was some play calling things that i didn't like from minnesota also because they were down at the goal line and they threw a fade to i forget who they threw it to that was that was span ford is standing over there at six seven and you threw it to a six foot guy like if you're gonna throw a fade to somebody let's go to the big guy like you, I, there were some play calling questions okay. I had early in that game that made me made me wonder, like, you know, what what are we doing here? You gotta you gotta put your players in the right position to succeed too. And I'm excited to hear from 
Gopher fans when they listen to this part of the podcast and, and, and tell us what they think. Um, I don't know how healthy BSP is right now. I mean, he was questionable coming into this game. Um, and it's not time to push the panic button on Ethan. Oh, no, 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 but, but like, I will say this, Ryan Burns, you know, Gopher illustrated. He said way before the season started, there are going to be fits and starts from Calic Manis this year. We've seen that so far. I mean, it's just that experiencing the ups and downs of a new quarterback and, and, and saying it's going to happen preseason. They're, they're two different things. That's what this looks like. Okay. So I, I, you know, give Ethan Calic Manis some time here, but there are situations where I'm like, maybe he's a better athlete than actual quarterback. Like you see the arm, you see the legs, but you know, uh, between the ears stuff, I, I don't know yet. I'm not calling the guy stupid. Don't take it like that. I'm just saying. No, so, sometimes down. it takes a little bit for the game to slow down. The game's got to come to these guys. It, so everybody learns at a different rate with this kind of thing. Uh, team rushing for the Tar Heels, 105 yards off of 37 carries. That's a 2.8 yard average. Minnesota's defense in front seven is good. I mean, it's going to be tough to rush against for any any uh, 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 offense. But Drake May, 29 of 40, 414 yards. I think basically I said Minnesota needs to focus on stopping the rushing attack. They did. It just left it open for Drake May and then Nate McCollum stepped Well, up. he had some guys make some hellacious plays. The one touchdown catch. I mean, that honestly, if it, I, th- I thought the DB turned his head around. He was going to pick it off. But somehow that receiver came down came with it. Came up with it. Good Those players happen, make man. good plays. Yes. I mean, yeah, you, you don't you – don't, change their whole game plan because of that but those are the kind of things that shake a game like this listen you want to win the game go for fans don't get me wrong not the worst learning experience to go through out of conference okay you 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 probably weren't getting to the college football playoff this year so going on the road <gasps> having that learning, yes how dare you right going on the road having that learning experience not a horrible thing for minnesota and with the loss, they fall to two and one. All right, quickly, weekly Eisman. What do you got here, Jordan? Yeah, we, we so we touched on them a little bit throughout our previews, but the the stat lines weren't super huge <laughs> no. this week, as we may have mentioned. Now we maybe we should do an Eisman for turnovers because we had a hell of a <laughs> lot to go there. But the the ones we did hit, we can talk about LaShawn Williams and Kamari Moulton from Iowa. The, the combination: twenty carries, one hundred and ninety. Five yards and two touchdowns. Good to see. Iowa needs that. Uh, Wisconsin's Hunter Wohler, one tackle, one sack, two INTs, really was the piece of that defense that you're like, okay, good. Look at there. There's a shining light. Good to yep. see there. Uh, we mentioned, we talked a lot about Kyle McCord for Ohio State. It was good to see him look comfortable. 19 for 23, three, three touchdowns. It's obviously nice to have a guy named Marvin Harrison out there doing what he did. But at the end of the day, me and hit me and Jeff were both in agreement here. The Eisman of the week is Kyle, the fun guy, Manung guy, 16 carries, 143 yards, and three touchdowns. And it's a whole lot more than just that stat line. Everything about this guy, he like I said, he's becoming one of my favorites to watch in the Big Ten. And I think if you haven't watched Rutgers games, I know some of our some of our listeners are I'm only gonna watch my team. You gotta tune in and watch this kid. He's yep. fun to watch, and he's he's a good old fashioned football player. So this week's Eisman goes to Kyle Manungai of Rutgers. All right, and that gets us really quickly into my weekly power rankings. Nothing's changed at the top. One, two, and three is Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Firm line right there. There had been talks about a you know a blurring of the line. Yeah, 
that is a firm line right there. Next team's up. Number four, Iowa. Number five, Maryland. Number six, Rutgers. Possibly a little squiggly, not so firm line that could go into maybe a dotted them. line, a dash. Just a, yeah, just a yeah. line. Then you go to seven, Wisconsin, eight, Minnesota, nine, Michigan State. So each one of those teams have losses. Iowa, Maryland, Rutgers are all undefeated. I will say this. Iowa, Maryland, you could flip-flop those two right there. Maybe even Rutgers, like those three. And I would say the same thing about Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan State. Those three could flip-flop around. I would probably put Michigan State at the bottom because, listen, I think Washington's good, but yikes. That, you know, 700 kept, yards is 700 yards at some point. At, that has in, to your house, in your house. In your house. So I kept Michigan State above the next line. They get another week to try to go. Nebraska bolts all the way up to number 10, and I believe they uh, uh, deserve it. They could start moving up here. Nebraska could start making moves into the next group and everything. 11, Indiana, no change for them. Number 12, Purdue. Number 13, Illinois, all the way down to 13 right now. And number 14, the bottom line that they've been kind of all year long is Northwestern. So three tiers, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then five in the bottom tier. We will keep an uh, eye on that. Obviously, we'll do that weekly. Final thoughts, uh, depressing, but just like that, 25% of the regular season is done. Isn't that disgusting? Don't say that. I know. People Don't got mad. That. I pointed out on Twitter, and people got pissed at me. Um, and then next weekend, we dropped from 13 games all the way down to nine, Jordan. So just like that. Big on big have, action, baby. Yeah, we got five. And for those of you big. fans that are mad about the power power rankings and where your teams are ranked here, don't worry. Like we just said, it's a lot of big on big action. These things will sort themselves out on the field. Yes. And a lot of these question marks where it's, oh, it could be here, here, here. Those will settle themselves. Yes. This will take a better shape. And I would say the most part is uh, if your team is sixth and you think they should be fifth, they're basically fifth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, just because woo! there's just because there's a team in front of them doesn't mean I think that team is 100 percent you know definitely better than them. It, it it gets blurry. But hey, man, I love getting the feedback on the power rings. Truth be told, that's I, I mean I want to see it out there and see what people think. I I, I, I like getting if 20 percent of the people responding are a little ticked. I mean I I don't know. That's that's fun as long as they're not outrageous. You know a holes. Like the guy that was sitting in my section for the game, by the way. But anyways, that's a, that's a story for a different <laughs> podcast. All right, man. You got anything else here? Should we get out? Uh, nope. I'm I'm happy to put week three to bed as a Michigan fan. And I think a lot of Big Ten fans are probably yes. saying the same thing. Let's put this to bed. And I'm looking forward to a lot more big on big action here going forward. I am ready. Yes. But again, look around the country. It's not just the Big Ten. Don't focus just on the Big Ten or even just on the Big Ten West. There's, there is unesthetically pleasing football for all of us to enjoy around the country. So I, I think across the country, it's going to be an interesting year to watch how all this unfolds. Completely. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Talk to you soon.